Welcome to A Court of Transformation and Awakening. I'm Lori Gray. And I'm Amanda Grace Harrison. And today we are discussing chapter 13. Back to what we're talking about. Okay. So end of last chapter, we find that where she wanted to go to was the study. The study. And we learn that this is because she believes that the only way to warn her family about this sickness is by sending them a letter. Which presents some logistical challenges for... Someone who can't read and write. Yes. <laughs> we have a little bit of a barrier to the plan here. Um, My first note is when she is when she pulls a little Scarlet O'Hara when they get to the study. And she says, I couldn't think about the casual power he'd just shown. The graceful carelessness with which he'd brought so many flames to life. When he just... All the candles, hundreds of candles, just magically light up. When they come into the room, I had to fast. I had to focus on the task at hand. Yeah, focus, focus, magic, and powerfulness. Powerful beast men. Yes, it's such a good one. Yeah, I mean, he's their their relationship. It is so interesting. I mean, he he is so powerful. I and I love so many times where she's like, "Yeah, I'm just not going to think about it." Yeah, <laughs> can't think about that right now. Just can't think about that right now. On the task at hand. Which okay. We talked about this a little bit in the group session today, which is the concept of avoidance. Yeah. And I I, avoider. I think things like avoidance and people pleasing and all of that, it gets a little bit of a bad rap as like a, oh, well, if you realize you're avoiding things, just stop. But when we understand that avoiding anything is a self-protective mechanism, I think then we can understand the avoidance and decide whether or not the most loving thing to do is to address it head on or to not. Because sometimes sometimes there are things, and sometimes it's just a, I'm not willing to deal with this right now because it doesn't sound fun. Yeah. And I think sometimes there's a truth and an honesty in recognizing that we are at our limits and that we don't have the capacity to dive into things. I mean, I, I joke all the time. I'm like, I've got I've got a list a mile long of like things to dive into for myself at some point, but I don't have the capacity to dive into all of them right now. Like I, I know what my next step is and what my current work is. And whenever I'm through that current work, I'll go on to the next thing. But I'm not in a place to address every deep wound all at once. And so mm. we can call it avoidance and sometimes it is, and sometimes it's in a way that's detrimental. But I think sometimes there's also a wisdom in recognizing we have limited bandwidth. We do. And I love the idea of partnering with our nervous system in even deciding which of those things need to be not avoided anymore mm-hmm. and which of those things are we're still protecting our our yeah. vulnerable bits by avoiding those things. Absolutely. Like and how how to do that nervous system partnering work um I do, I do a lot with, and again, because I think that when we don't take personal experience into account, you know, there, there is this just stop it mentality sometimes in the personal development yeah. world. It's like, oh, you're avoiding it? Well, quit. Yeah. Just get out there and do it. All your problems will be solved. Just get out just there and like do that. it. And it's like, no, 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 because if, if the thing that you're doing, if you're not at a place to be able to self-regulate through it, you're mm. really going to be re-traumatizing yourself. True. And we always, and so whenever I talk about, whenever I teach this to people, I have this whole like graphic thing and I, I do it a lot with um, entrepreneurs where 
it's like we have our set of activities that are non-triggering, mm -hmm. like kind of like comfort zone stuff. Um, and then we have activities that are so far outside of what we're able to do that it's it's too much. It's that place where we go to shut down, where we go to freeze, where we go to, I can't regulate through this and I'm going to be not sleeping for weeks. And then there's stuff that's in a zone where it causes a small response, but we are able to do an exhale. We're able to regulate through it. We're able to use those tools and work through it. And I always encourage people to pick like one activity that's in the self-regulation zone and engage with that until it feels safe before they do another one. But when you um, make life decisions based on like inspirational Instagram memes, sometimes we can get the idea that success means just like throwing ourselves so far outside of it. And typically that just leads to so much like chaos in our nervous system that is ends up being this like go forward and then have to pull all the way back and we create this pendulum swing of like i'm going to work myself up to like throw myself outside of my comfort zone but it's so far out that i can't self-regulate okay now pull back and do nothing for however because i just like burnt myself out okay now work yourself up get out of your comfort zone oh my gosh this is so awful okay let me pull back yeah and i'm like okay what's the activity that is stretching but you can regulate through can we do that mm. and can we stop labeling the rest of it as this like automatic negative because sometimes it's not avoidance in the sense of it being horribly negative sometimes it's wisdom and it's self-partnership to recognize this is outside of my ability to regulate and it's not saying i'm not ever going to get to it i'm just not ready for it today and we're still moving forward Anyway, so all that to say, I think there are a lot of things that people label avoiding that I wouldn't even put that label on. I think sometimes it's self-love and it's wisdom to pace ourselves. That's a much nicer way of looking at it. And it's not labeling it. Because labeling yes. it avoiding is another, is another label. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So with her right here, when she's like, okay, I'm just not even going to think about that. I don't know. I mean, like she's had so many changes. Sure is. I mean, there there's a chance right here where I'm like, I don't know, maybe this is avoiding or maybe this was actually just self-love because she's had so many changes and she's maybe just not quite ready. Because I mean, right now, she's still like, oh my gosh, there's this like sickness. Is my family safe? Yeah, um, yeah she's stuck in it. As long as she gets to it at some point. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was a good one. Okay, so still early in this chapter... We hear a little bit more about her relationship to her illiteracy. And I love that she was able to say, like, it wasn't entirely my fault. Yeah. And she had and she had a little bit of perspective, right? It's like, you know, even before the, her downfall, her mother had neglected her education. She didn't have a governess. Then came the poverty, you know, all of these things. And it's sort, it's sort of a mix of compassion for like this is why it's not totally my fault and a little <laughs> a little bit of other things um but here's the interesting thing she starts off here in a place where i feel like her reasoning sort of makes sense but by the end of like two paragraphs later she's way off track yeah. she's like okay so if i ask them to write this one they're going to judge me Mm -hmm. and Lucian would definitely just burn it <laughs> and so basically the only solution here is I have to learn how to do this myself no. and I was just laughing at that I'm like oh my goodness 
This is like how our brains work whenever we feel like we're being so logical. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. And when you can watch it in her thinking, you're like, oh boy. And she's like, well, this, this but is, then obviously yeah, this, this, and then this, right. and then this. So, ergo, my only solution is to do it myself. And she's like, makes sense. And then she operates off of that as if that's the truth of her situation. When those of us outside of it were like, mm, not, no. not actually. Because she didn't even think about asking Alice. Alice has seemed to be... I can't remember at this point if Alice is, like, she's given her some good advice. She seems to genuinely care about her. I don't know why she didn't even think about asking. Right? Alice I mean, that's to help. That's that an entirely like a logical option. See, and I hadn't even thought about that one. Yeah, but like stepping outside the situation is like, you know, there are other creative solutions other than asking these two people. Yeah. Which, again, her reason not to ask them is based more on her own lenses of self judgment than what's actually happening from them. It's projecting it's fortune telling it's and she said asking them to write it would be too humiliating Mm -hmm. i could hear their words typical ignorant human and then she Mm -hmm. so then she just takes it on herself therefore she can't do logically (laughs) i just have to do it you have to learn how to read real quick and write so that i can write this note to my family only that makes sense i tell you what this is one of the reasons why i love and believe in coaching It's not this idea that here's this person that's outside of me that knows all the answers or that they need to know the answers. And I think sometimes coaching is presented that way. Like, I need to hire somebody because I can't trust myself. I think one of the most helpful parts about coaching is to have to say these things out loud. Because sometimes I'll watch people, like, they'll say it out loud. And as soon as the thought that's in their brain comes out of their mouth, they catch it. They're like, oh, that doesn't make much sense, does it? But when it was just floating around in their brain it made sense to them yeah and like that this is obviously just how it works and they didn't question it and then whenever they say it sometimes they catch it then and sometimes the most powerful things i do as a coach is just repeat back to them exactly what they've said or just clarify i'm like okay so what i heard from you is this and i say it back to them is that what you meant and it's funny to watch people get this look on their face, which sometimes they give me like the stink eye, which I love, but they're like, well, when you say it, it sounds stupid. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like no offense. I'm like, I wasn't meaning for it to sound like that's, you know, they're like, <laughs> but they have that moment of realizing that their logic was actually not really logical. It was more emotional. It was because it feels true. It must be true, that emotional reasoning. And yeah, or, you know, just, but the the space to show up, let our thoughts come out in real time and have somebody reflect it back to us so that we can see and really to be that mirror for what we're saying. Sometimes it's one of the most powerful things. And it's not, it's not about having a guru. It's about that. I think we all need space to do that. Otherwise we just believe our own illogical logic Mm. and think that we're operating it's like, no, 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 this totally makes sense. <laughs> yes. Until I say it out loud. Until I say it out loud. Especially with someone else listening. Oh, and then we realize it doesn't. Okay. All right. So, but this is what she believes she has to do. So she works on it. Okay. Now I have to say this next session, she's like, okay, I had to take a break for dinner and sleep, but then I was back in the study before dawn, before the dawn had fully risen. And girl is working so hard. I mean, talk about some tenacity here. And she's doing her very best to to work through these things. Um, 
on her own and she's working really hard. I don't know. Like, this just stood out to me so much. I'm like, I... I feel like a lot of people do it, give up on things pretty quickly. Like, very few people have the tenacity or the emotional resilience. Or, or I like the phrase um, failure tolerance. Mm. Like, most of us have a very low tolerance for failing. Most of us have a very low tolerance for struggling. We have a very low tolerance for doing things that are hard. And it's so, like, I just had to give credit to her. Like, she's sitting there and every bit of this is hard. And she's just like keeping going um yeah, one of the questions that I ask and I try I try for it to not be like judgy but when people come in and they say oh my gosh I've just tried everything and I will question I'm like list them like what do you mean like what is everything tell me tell me everything you've tried okay most of the time it's three to five things three to five things is I tried everything yeah and it's that space where, like, that feels true so and they feel like they – I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, we live in a world where there are a – there's a million things. Like, we've tried four. We're not even – we're not even close to everything. You know, with, with my healing, people are like, what did you do? I'm like, I – it was not one thing. It was not three things. It was not 25 things. I'm like, it was 500 things or more. I'm like, if I actually listed them, probably a 1,000 things Jeez. that I tried over the course of a decade – yeah. And and I'm still even now it's like I I will I will improve and then I'm always continuing to to try things um yeah but that ability to try it and it not work and try again so many of us just have a really low tolerance for that but not our girl day and night not Vera just going through it um anyway so I love her for that I love her for her tenacity okay but she does have to take a break and she gets up and she sees this mural on the wall mm -hmm. depicting the story of Corinthia, um, which is super cool. So we kind of get to understand a little bit of the backstory of um, of the, uh, I'm trying to say country, country's not the word, of the world? The, the, the world. world. She lives the in. world, of the world she lives in. We get to understand that. Um, and one of the things that we learn, and I don't know if she, I couldn't tell from this, if she understood this already, and this is just now as readers, we're learning it, or if this was her first understanding that Printhia is divided into courts. So that we've got autumn, summer, winter. Yeah, it seems like she didn't know that. Do you think all. so? I think she didn't yeah. know it. She had no idea. And then the dawn, day, night. And she starts to understand that she is likely in the spring court. Where is that? I can't find that in here. I didn't mark it. But she's, she gets to see the way that it is all divided up into this patchwork of territories. Um, yeah, but this was... You and I had talked about this. Um, we talked about maybe doing an entire podcast episode on this. But this brought up something that we have talked about before, which is that we like these books because of how it's connected to seasons mm -hmm. and moon cycles mm -hmm. and how that's been an ongoing theme, like in our relationship and how we do things. And, and we're bringing it into the group with having people set intentions on the new moon and checking in on those intentions on the full and then revisiting them again on the new moon. And that's something you've done for ages. Like, 
remind me, like how, where did you learn about that? How did you get into all of that? Because whenever I first met you, like you were like, hey, let's do a new moon mastermind, which again yeah. was weird to me. I'm like, why? Because I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 you start with the calendar, like June 1st. Yeah. But doing it on the moon cycles was so powerful for me because it, it helped me start connecting with my own like 28 day cycle. Um, but when when did you first get interested in? I know it may it may have been from Ezzy Spencer. It might be Dr. Ezzy Spencer. I'm not sure. But she has a book called Lunar Abundance. But I was following her for a while before then. I mean, I just loved she had been like in finance world and like totally unrelated to anything. Woo woo. And then forget why she started noticing she had to for some reason follow these cycles and then she just noticed that it really mirrored her own personal energy cycles and so I was following her like just on her email list I think mm -hmm. and she would send out interesting stuff and I just started to notice it and and then I got her book and tried like oh, I'm gonna try this like because it's it gets very detailed into like okay waning crescent lasts this many days and then waxing crescent and, and, and then you do these like these are your exhales and inhales you know, like your active days and then you plan your and when I looked at it, I'm like boy if I really did that throughout the month what I love about it is you know the rest is coming mm -hmm. and you know the work so it's never like because I tend to get oh boy I'm having a, a lazy down energy day and I kind of feel like I'm going to be stuck in that forever like mm -hmm. what if I never come back out and never have another active or what if it takes a couple years and I just go into a depression yeah. and I spiral down but knowing that it's like really normal throughout the month to have this active pause active rest stress recuperate and that that's how nature works that's how everything works in cycles i found so much hope in that that i was like okay I, i'm gonna not feel so bad about my and then i'm not gonna feel like when i get a little manic i tend to be like oh no now i'm manic i'm gonna be crazy and i work myself to death but i think no what if i purposely start resting before I need it, just because I know that it's time for that in the cycle. It's very so good. It's so good. I know. And I, you know, I realized for myself that so many um, personal development books that I was reading were written by men and that men have a 24 hour hormonal cycle and women have a 28 day hormonal cycle. And when somebody's like, this is what I do. And I do this consistently every day and it works great refiltering that through because you have a 24-hour hormonal cycle you don't have a 28-day hormonal right. cycle and it's not going to work the same for for both groups and i think having to learn to either filter that information or stop learning from people who are thinking that because it works for them it works for everybody mm -hmm. and moving into those cycles um but yeah but when we started when we started doing that um our first group um our new moon mastermind it was really the first time that i started connecting with my shifts in energy and my hormonal cycles and at the time my hormones were they were kind of off so my my shifts were extreme and towards you know the menstrual part of my cycle i mean i felt it wasn't just like chill it was like it was kind of depressed yeah. it, it got kind of dark and then yeah towards ovulation it wasn't just like confident energy it was kind of manic um and, and it was really far up and down because things were not, um, because things were imbalanced in my body. So I was experiencing those really extremely. But yeah, but every time it happened though, it, it like it caught me off guard because I wasn't tracking it. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. And I remember being down and all the time being like, what's wrong? 
Like, what's wrong with me? And again, same thing. It's like, is this going to last forever? What happened? And I'm doing all of this like deep work. And then, you know, moving into the next part of my cycle, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm better. Oh my gosh, I'm worse. Oh my gosh, I'm better. Yeah. I'm like, It was was such a roller coaster. I couldn't track it. And when we started doing this and we were meeting, I don't even know how many months we did it, but we always met on on the same moon. I started noticing, huh, every time right around this meeting, my energy is about the same. And two weeks ago, it was like different. Mm. And I started seeing the things. And that's where um, I came up with the concept of period thoughts, which I teach to all my clients, where, because during the time I was also, journaling like doing a thought download every single day where like stream of consciousness and it got to where i would wake up and i write would write down my thoughts and they were so horrible and it was like everybody hates you (laughs) everybody hates you um nothing will ever work out and it would really be better for like the planet if you just like crawled into a hole and didn't come out like this is kind of what my thoughts sounded like and rather than going to what's wrong i'm like oh those are those thoughts that my brain has every month right around this time. Wow. And I was like, period thoughts. And I would just like label them. And so I could wake up and I could have this set of thoughts. And instead of going to what's wrong, how long is this going to last? What is wrong with me? I'm like, oh, that's the thing that my brain does around this time of the month every time. And it's no big deal. And it's going to pass. And nothing's gone wrong. And nothing's wrong with me. And they were still there and they didn't feel great. They felt kind of heavy. But there wasn't all of this like secondary additional thought drama on top of it. I love that. It was so good. It was life changing to start connecting with these sorts of seasons. Yeah. And to know that they've been going on our whole lives and we could have been like, it's it's hard to go, man, I wish I'd known about these when I was little. Think of all the drama. It would be nice. It would be nice if this was, if this was taught more often for sure. Um, You know, and really practical things came out of it. Like I don't, I don't make decisions about my business near ovulation or the menstrual part of my cycle smart because in both of those phases if i if i make business decisions around ovulation i'm convinced yeah i can do everything <laughs> yes and it all needs to happen yesterday yeah and it's like and sometimes my brain even goes to like we could just like sleep less yes and make it all happen so much more and then you know two weeks later i'm like we should probably do nothing yes i don't even know i don't even know if we can handle what we're doing and so if i'm actually going to make decisions about my business i do it never at those two points there's like three days it's like six days a month like about three here and about three on the other side where i don't i just don't make decisions because i know that my emotions in those phases aren't that's right trustworthy like Oh, like drunk dialing people, drunk exactly. texting. <laughs> Don't do it. Sorry, it's like it's like sorry. I was decisions at I was month. I was ovulation planning. We're gonna have to renegotiate all of that. Oh my word! But as a as a larger you know whole like with emotions, I I think that the point that you made is so is so helpful. And sometimes I have to remind myself where I'm like, any emotion that I experience is valid, and I think all emotions carry useful information. But none of them are permanent. Yeah. Everything is cyclical. Yeah. And I have to, but there are moments when like when we're in an emotion that really sucks and it just, and we have that thought of like, it's going to last forever. I'm like, nope, none of them do. They never do. Nothing. It always shifts and change. It always shifts and changes. Like just the passage of time is going to do that. Even if we don't do any deep work, Um, it's going to, it's going to shift. But that reminder of like, this is not permanent is so helpful when we're in it. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah, so, cycles. so we, it was part of why we love this book. We love that, you know, it brings in some of those things that were a part of our friendship and our connection. And I would really like to be able to go looking at this map. Mm-hmm. I would like to be able to go to Prithian and go to like, depending on your mood, because I, I do like the idea of like, you think, I think that I love spring and summer. But then when I think about never getting to go to autumn and winter, I really like visiting those places. And the idea of being able to visit all of them within a day or two, they didn't have airplanes. They have some flying beings in some of these courts, we find out eventually. But like to be able to visit them even in the course of a week or a month and to go visit all of the seasons, that'd be so fun. Oh, my goodness. I like that idea a lot. We should summer vacation and then winter vacation. It's like disney epcot where you can visit yes, the different places different countries all in one place is real hey anybody does anybody out there have like multi-million dollars that they would like to invest in our idea to create Ooh, yeah. various courses courts <laughs> that we can physically that we can physically <laughs> visit that would be awesome wouldn't that be awesome yes. somebody out there somebody out there let's do it we got the vision if you got the cash theme park <laughs> it would be the coolest theme park ever um okay so Tamlin comes in and and he offers like he realizes what she's doing um why she's in the study and what's happening and he offers like I could help you write to them if that's why you're in here and this is an interesting exchange where again this is a straightforward sincere helpful offer yeah and she's like oh my goodness they would burn it i don't even know how i'll get the letter to them and he's offering like i can help you write to them obviously and send it and it's genuine and she's so resistant um she's feeling panic you know her face is hot she feels so much embarrassment (laughs) you know help you mean a fairy is passing up the opportunity to mock an ignorant mortal yeah and and we see here, like, his jaws tight. Like, he's, he's really bothered by this. And what he comes back with is, why should I mock you for a shortcoming that isn't your fault? You know, let me help mm-hmm. you out this for the hand. And, again, maybe not the, the best word choice, but she misses the fact that he's like, let me help. He miss, she misses that he's like, this is not this is not a thing that's your fault like he's very much like okay you didn't learn to read like what do we do now and she gets caught up on shortcoming shortcoming it was a shortcoming it was a shortcoming um oh my gosh and this next paragraph to reveal how little i truly knew to let him see that part of me that was still a child unfinished and raw i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine Hmm. you're not gonna see that part of me Mr. Beast. Mm-hmm. You will not see this. And, you know, and this is obviously, you know, self-protective. Um, but we just get to see her story about this and how much that is impacting. Like, there, there is an offer for help here. And it's it's sincere. It's kind. It's helpful. And she, she just cannot take it. Um, and it's not about him. It's about what she's able to handle and about what she would make his help mean about her. It's about how she would feel if that part of her was revealed. And again, I don't I don't think any of us need to be Okay, vulnerability is great. But at the same time, I don't think there's this push of like we should be vulnerable with everybody right yeah. away. 
Like, yeah, especially people that she has good reason to not barely know. Like, I, I totally get. I'm not saying like, oh my gosh, she should have immediately opened up to this person right. that she barely knew. It's just interesting to notice how her interpretation of events, her thoughts about events, her lens that she viewed herself through, what she would have made all of this mean, how this impacted her reactions and decisions. Because that's always how it works. Man. And then we see more of it on the next page. We get a little bit more insight, too, into how some of this developed. Um, Coming back to relationship with her sister. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, I could almost feel the wound deep in my chest as, it, chest as it ripped open, and all those awful, silent words came pouring out. Illiterate, ignorant, unremarkable, proud, cold. All spoken from Nesta's mouth, all echoing in my head with her sneering voice. Thanks, Nesta. <laughs> Thanks, sis. <laughs> Thanks, sis. Just really, really appreciate that. And who knows if Nesta even called her any of those. I can't. I really can't picture her calling her some of those, but maybe she did. But more likely, it was just like Nesta's energy. Her, it like, could have been. I'm curious about that, too. I'm like, was this... Was this taking one thing that she said and adding things? Was she then interpreting things? Were these direct things? And or were they things like what Tamlin said, where he's like, he's like, why would I mock you for a shortcoming that wasn't your fault? And then she's like, okay, shortcomings, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's now, again, knowing how direct Nesta is, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, she, she's yeah. got a sharp tongue. I would not be surprised if a lot of these things were said in a direct yeah. way that was um, hurtful. But we also know what we've seen is that that Feyre has the capacity to to pull out the bits that are congruent with the story that she has about herself yeah. and and latch onto that. So, you know, you know, Nesta could have been saying, like, what are you are you too proud for this or this or that? And which could have been a question. Like, I don't know. I'm just trying to imagine scenarios. Um, but we're we're not quite sure how this developed, but she's got this whole laundry list of self-shaming words that pour out whenever there's a small trigger yeah easily triggered yeah yeah so and then i love okay so the next page this idea of shortcoming so like she's just sitting there by herself now and like shortcomings come up again she's like oh my gosh it's another one of my shortcomings um and then this is interesting she then goes into now I'm mad at him. <laughs> She's like, shame on me for feeling a shred of pity for him. You know, I'm just thinking that he might be able to relate. Yeah, I stupidly thought he would care in my ignorant, you know, insignificant human way. Um, you know, and then there's there's this anger, which, gosh, it's so much easier sometimes to feel that than the other things that we're feeling. Yeah. Anger. Anger's good. Well, anger is higher, I forget, on that hierarchy of emotions, you know? Like, if you're feeling really down here, then you reach for the next, just just one higher on that ladder. And anger is higher than depression. So if you are in a depressed state and you're wanting to move up the ladder, it is better to get angry. So get angry, Fira. It's better than feeling hopeless and depressed. At least it gives you a little bit it's, of energy. It's active. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, and I think a lot of us are taught that, you know, being angry is always bad. I don't think being angry is, being, is always bad. I have also heard and believe that 
anger is always a secondary emotion. And yeah. usually, usually because there's some part of us that feels hurt underneath hurt or helpless or weak or vulnerable in some way and that anger is a protective first line of defense and it's mm -hmm. a you know if you encounter my anger you don't have to see this part of me that's wounded um i don't know have you have we talked about or have you done um are you familiar with like parts work internal family systems mm -mm. okay there, there's a book out there by um dr charles schwartz is it doctor no i always see the wrong name richard schwartz i don't know dr schwartz um called no bad parts and he has this whole way of breaking down um emotions and he talks about how we have it's not just emotions but parts of ourselves as we say parts we have parts of ourselves and he talks about how we have parts that are exiled like parts that we don't want anybody to see parts that we think are bad parts that we think are wrong that we've we've kind of like kicked out of the scenario and then we have parts of us that are firefighters and parts of us that are managers and managers are sort of like the front line of defense and this might be things like perfectionism or you know control or just like if i can present this front then you'll never get to that place where you see this part of me that i don't want anybody to see and then if kind of that first line of defense fails and there's a chance of somebody accidentally seeing our exiled parts, that's where like the firefighters come out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's anger. Sometimes that's addiction. But the things where it's like, oh my gosh, somebody almost saw it. Like what's what's the thing that that comes out? Like, I, like you cannot see this part of me over here that is weak and vulnerable or this part that um, I don't believe is okay. You know, it's got to hide. And, you know, it's not, and some people, some people, their exile part is their angry part. So, like, that's the part that they, yeah. they think is totally not okay. And so there's something else that comes out so that we don't see that. Um, it was, I love, I love parts work. Um, internal family systems is another name for it. But the book being that, like, there are no bad parts, which, again, was a huge influence as I, you know, developed some of my, some of my own coaching theories around self-partnership, where as soon as we think that anything anger or depression or whatever is bad and we have to get rid of it it creates this conflict within ourselves but when we can understand that there aren't when we start with the fundamental assumption that there aren't any bad parts and we're just seeking to understand and partner with those parts of ourselves and move forward together there's so much less resistance there's so much less angst Ooh, there's so much less yeah. unnecessary pain and that shift makes a anyways that that shift in um emotional energy towards what we're finding i think is so significant yeah i love that yeah it's a good framework yeah but she goes with gosh you almost <laughs> saw this part of me that embarrasses me i think you're just an idiot yeah should have just <laughs> let your hand bleed just let you bleed out i should have known better oh goodness all born out of her own self-protection so again, th these are all things, guys, by the way, like where we're, this is sort of a take on it and like a um, off the cuff thoughts about it. And a lot of these episodes were just like, hey, what's like the first thought that came to our head? Like we're not planning these out. <laughs> so some of you are going to listen to this and be like, oh my goodness, I interpreted that this entirely other way. Like we want to hear that. Like that's, that's the point. And it's why we're posting these in a community with the ability to comment on them um, and share thoughts. So if you're like, hey, I read that in an entirely different way. Tell us so we can all learn together. Okay. Yeah. And so then, so then we shift into Tamlin leaves. Farah goes and seeks out Lucian or Lucian, whatever his name is. Did we find out which one it is? Lucian. 
Lucian. Lucian. Not, not, not Lucian. Not Lucian. 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 Oh my gosh. I will probably get that wrong every time. Sorry. <laughs> um, I read this the, the other way for too many years. Um, and they have this vague conversation about yeah. her wanting to trap the serial to get information from him. Because um, if you trap the serial, it will tell you anything you need to know. Will answer any question. I like her. Yeah, and so she has she has this plan to. So she gets this information from him on how to do this, and she has plans to act this out. Um, did you have any other things? No, I just that? liked her. Her. You have your secrets, and I have mine. And right. She's like, and it's a good thing that while you have superior hearing, I possess superior abilities to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I highlighted that one too. That was one of those like favorite moments. Everyone, she has a couple of those. There's another one coming up and like in a couple of chapters where every once in a while she has a one liner that just, they just, they make me laugh. Like you laugh out loud. Yes, yeah. Hi. And which, you know, to which he responds, I think I'm starting to like you. Yeah. You know, for a murdering human. For, for a murdering human. Not so bad. Because he is our person. He is not overly serious. He likes a little bit of that. That joking. Okay. So she now has her information. End of chapter 13. But as you all probably guessed, chapter 14, things are going to get exciting. Because she takes this information and she is going to put it into action. So join us back on the next chapter where we journey with Feyre into what she's going to do. With deep dark this. To the deep dark woods. Thank you for joining us for this episode of A Court of Transformation and Awakening podcast. Um, and we would love for you to join us over on ACOTA, that's A-C-O-T-A-A dot circle dot S-O, where you can watch these podcasts and interact with them. You can also jump into our fan chats, become a member, post your intro, post pictures of your dog eating spaghetti, whatever it is that you want to do. <laughs> and we'll see you over there. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.